You're listening to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast, episode number 29. I'm Sharon Joy, and in this episode, I'm going to give the anti-step-by-step brigade a little bit of a shake-up. I'm going to challenge your ideas on what it means to have a startup business, and I'm also going to give you some step-by-steps to help you move your business from a startup phase to a growth phase. Enjoy. Welcome to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Joy, and on this show, we talk about inspirational journeys in life and entrepreneurship. Through soulful conversations with inspiring guests, you're sure to get clear, get organized, get enlightened, and get moving on your dream business with the perfect blend of strategy and alchemy. Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. Let's dive right on into this episode because we're going to uh, maybe even get a little controversial here. Uh, Perhaps I'm going to say some things today that are contradicting some of the things that you might have heard, but uh, I wanted to share my thoughts on them, particularly first up as an educator of 16 years, a professional educator. I have a degree in teaching. Uh, And so there's some things that I want to address that I often hear out there about teaching things in a step-by-step way in the coaching, healing, business growth area. So very often I hear people saying, you know, don't take someone's blueprint, don't use someone's cookie cutter situation, um, you know, don't use their step-by-step formula or whatever it may be. And for anyone who's ever worked with me knows very much that um, there's a high level of um, individuality in the advice and support that I offer my clients. So it's very varied according to what their needs are and where they're at on their business journey. However, as an educator, I want to point out that when we are learning new things, that it is highly, highly important that we have a framework in which we can work within so we can develop very quickly a schema um, to make our learning faster. So if we are just coming at learning from a point of experimentation, without any framework at all, then our growth and our learning is going to take a whole lot longer. So, you know, the thing about using step-by-step, and I don't recommend it all the time. It's not something that, you know, I recommend that you follow anybody's blueprint or step-by-step to the letter. However, when we are learning new things, it's really important that we have these frameworks. So I want to give you an example. My 17-year-old daughter is currently learning how to drive. Now, if I just sat her in the car, handed her her keys and said, well, you've been in a car plenty of hours of your life. We've been right around Australia. You've seen how this thing works. There's the keys. Now off you go she probably wouldn't have a great rate of success, even though she is very familiar with a car, right? She spent hours and hours of her life riding in a car, watching us drive, even having conversations about driving, traffic, other other road users. However, it's very different when she's propelled into that driver's seat. There is a need for her to definitely have a framework before she actually starts to drive. So the first thing that I had taught her on our very first driving lesson was how to use the brake, right? How to use the brake, but not 
from a point of, well, when you use the brake, you just need to, you know, put your foot here. It was more like teaching her to use it so that it comes from a point of automaticity. So her body has this muscle memory that she can apply the brake very quickly and she knows where the brake is without having to look down at it. And it's developing those skills, but that wouldn't have happened if it didn't start with a framework. For those of you who are parents or if you've ever had a child close to you learning to walk, it's much the same thing. Babies and young children see people walking around them all the time, but we still can give them some guidance as to how they can accelerate their learning, keep them safe, um, and allow them to be able to do what they want to do with, um, you know, I guess um, less friction or less objection or um, coming from a point of ease rather than a point of frustration. So I guess I wanted to preface this by saying that, you know, please, if you are hearing people say, you know, this blueprint, that starter, that step-by-step guide, that I want you to always take it in context. Because if you are a startup business and you are brand new in business, then just like my 17-year-old daughter learning to drive, you have been in a world where you have seen people run businesses, you have seen people create content every single day on social media, listening to podcasts, whatever it may be that you are doing, but it's very different when someone's handing you the keys and putting you in the driver's seat. You are going to need some level of framework until you find your groove. And you know, and I guess that that's the next point is When there's a time for not using someone's blueprint or not using someone's step-by-step or not using someone's facilitated guidance is when we've reached that level of autonomy, of automacity, of confidence, of that playfulness, I guess, that we can bring forward when we can start to experiment with different things. You know, even I think about my journey as a dancer and I think about my favorite genre is is tap. I love tap dancing. And, you know, I think about that in that, you know, a, a young child or a person who's learning to tap dance for the first time needs to know the basic rules of tap dancing in order to be able to reach that level where they can experiment and play. And business is very much like that. Okay. Startup business is very much like that. There is definitely that element of testing and trying on what feels good for you, but it's also making sure that, you know, you're not always only throwing spaghetti at the wall. You want to be able to take what other people have learned on their journey, try it on for yourself and then apply it to your business in a way that feels good for you and in a way that gains you success because there are so many strategies in the world so many strategies so i guess i want to really i want to really shout that from the rooftops because i'm kind of overhearing you know don't use this strategy or don't use that strategy because somebody has given it to you what i want to say is if you are brand new take what you can get Use those step-by-step frameworks because you are learning. You are that learner driver. You are that beginner tap dancer who needs the framework. And then when you have that, and once you've experimented with that within that context, within that framework, then you will 
you will reach a new level of understanding, of integration, of implementation. And from there, it's an opportunity then for you to put your own spin, your own flavor, take which parts of it work for you and discard the pieces that don't work for you because I guarantee that there will always be pieces of both. But if you are brand new, please block your ears when you hear somebody say, oh, you know, no blueprints here. I guarantee if they are teaching and coaching you something new, they're going to have to give you something, okay? Because it's not realistic to expect somebody to learn something new and provide them with a vacuum. It's just not realistic. So uh, that's my first little bit of soapboxing about this. And I, I guess that's, you know, that's really the lead into what I want to talk about and, uh, and a bit of an explainer, a bit of a background, not only um, into the way that I work, but into something that I've just launched, which is my ultimate startup checklist for coaches, healers, and soulful consultants. Um, it's my latest freebie that I have created. It's one that's been in the pipeline for quite some time. And it is, it's just been launched this week. I'm very excited to get it out there. I've already got 30 people who have signed up for this. Um, and it really hasn't, um, it hasn't even gotten off the ground yet. So that's very exciting. But I wanted to um, really talk to you about the need for step-by-step, -step, particularly in the startup phase. And this is why I've created this checklist to help guide you on your way. Now, the other thing I wanted to address about that is the word startup, because I, for a long time, was really under the misconception that startup really means that, you know, basically it's the, it's the part when I registered my business. It was like right at the very beginning. But the truth is, is the startup phase is much, much longer than what most people think. It's the phase right up until your business is gaining traction and really taking on a life of its own. It's up, it's, it's the phase that your business is in right up until your message and your marketing is very clear and you have a steady stream of clients that are rolling in. You have a thriving audience. You are getting referrals from clients or perhaps other industry professionals and you are commencing with a team, but more importantly, your income is more predictable. Okay. So the thing about the startup phase is you could be in it for a couple of months you could be in it for a couple of years or more. Some people will stay in the startup phase for the first five years in business, which is why so often we hear of businesses failing in the first five years because that's still within the startup phase. So, you know, please let go of any misconceptions that maybe you're holding on to about, oh no, I'm past the startup phase. Um, I don't have a website yet. I don't have an email list. I, you know, I don't have you know, content that comes easily to me, um, but I'm no longer in the startup phase. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. I want you to think of the startup phase as the phase in your business where you lay all of the foundations on which you can start to grow. Now, there's always layers that we continue to add. When we're in the growth phase of our business, we're adding things like members of team to our business. We're, you know, creating systems and processes for those team so that we can scale, right? So, um, you know, we're always adding these new layers, but 
the startup phase is really the phase where we get all of those foundations down pat and we reach that level of automacity, that level of autonomy, that level of implementation when it takes on a life of its own. Okay, so think about the step-by-step that I just said at the beginning, talking about the learning, okay, having those frameworks in which we can learn, moving that across to what it's like to have a startup business. And if you are still integrating those things into your business, if you are still getting clear on your message, if you are still getting clear on how you can attract new audience and clients into your business, if how you can move people from just wanting to pick your brain to paying you and you have a clear system for that, then these are all the things that you'd be wanting to work you know, work through step by step in the startup phase of your business. This can also extend right through to, you know, the parts of your business that include technology. So, you know, whether it's, um, you know, those techie systems in your business that you need support with, getting those all up and running. So it's when we, we're out of the startup phase, once we have that level of autonomy And business has started to get legs, right? It's taking on a life of its own and it's starting to, it's like, you know, pushing that car up the hill is the startup phase. And then all of a sudden there's that tipping point where it starts to run away from us. And that is when we're in the growth phase, that next phase of business. It's when our income is more predictable because we have monthly recurring revenue. Okay, those sorts of things in our business where you know, it's a lot more predictable, it's a lot more easy and we kind of get a little bit of breathing space where we can start to tinker, experiment, test, really dig into the data that we have collected in that startup phase, look at what's working, look at what's not and then recalibrate to move forward. So, you know, the number one thing that clients, that new clients or my audience tell me is that they don't know how to run a business. Okay, that's probably the number one thing because my clients tend to be people that women in the midlife who have often done other things. You know, maybe they've been teachers like me, maybe they've been nurses, maybe they've been in the public service, maybe they've been, you know, working in offices. They've usually done other things. Maybe they've been mums and they've had a long break from the workforce. And now they want to create a business around their family and they want to become an entrepreneur. The number one thing that they tell me is that they don't know how to run a business and that they're swirling with the how of how to grow the business. The how part is what they're not sure of. They're unclear of what to do next. They're they're not sure where to put their energy and effort. They're stuck in the hobby zone, what I call the hobby zone, which is where we're offering our services to our friends for free instead of being paid for what we do. We have, you know, often um, another group of people in that phase who perhaps they've been in business for a little bit longer, but They've ended up with an audience that's become quite turned off by their work in the world because they've been somewhat inconsistent in their messaging or they've kind of been dropping this and dropping that, talking about, you know, too many things and their audience has reached a point of confusion where they're not actually sure whether that person is for them or not. And so their audience goes cold and quiet. So that, again, is still very much typical startup phase um, things to happen. 
Now, all of this obviously results in, you know, having a lack of clarity in, in, in all of the areas, you know, what to do, that confusion, that swirling. Um, often those people are being swayed from here, there, you know, and all the places based on what they see on social media. So they're taking a lot of free advice instead of, you know, people who actually have their eyes on that person's business and can give them, you know, specific advice for where they're at as individuals, which is where, you know, I guess that's the difference between following someone step by step and getting the right kind of paid coaching and support is, you know, having someone's eyes on your business and being able to give you that specific feedback. Okay. Um, And I guess, again, if I relate that back to my daughter's driving, you know, certainly once she's, you know, taken the keys for the car and had a drive, then I can actually give her specifics. Like the time that we took her driving and her first driving lesson and she forgot to put her seatbelt on. (laughs) I forgot to remind her because we were thinking about all of the other things and I was more conscious about wanting to teach her the break. So obviously that was a point of feedback correction, right? And, you know, getting her back on track in the right way. Um, so, you know, these are all sorts of things that um, can can sway us because we're looking at stuff on social media and we think, oh, I need to do that. Oh, no, I need to do that. No, I need to do that. And then what happens is we just become totally confused. This often results in, you know, poor audience growth. And then the flow on effect to that is that there's either no income or that the income is very inconsistent. Um, Of course, lots of crickets, no email list. And then, you know, sometimes people do fall into that, you know, flaky consistency where, you know, they're doing the posting and ghosting thing and it becomes this vicious cycle. So, you know, ultimately these people really just want to help people, right? They want to help people. My clients want to help people to live happier, healthier, and more impactful lives. And they also want to create financial freedom for themselves and their families in the process. Okay. Without getting solid foundations in their business, using solid guidance, that can't happen. It simply can't happen. So this is why I created the eight clarity pillars, right? Because they are the foundations of solid startup business. They are the eight things that at any time, if you're swirling, that you can come back to. They are to a point hierarchical, um, but also they stand alone, each in their own right. And I say that because when someone is starting out, or if they become really lost and confused, they can anchor themselves by working through those pillars by starting at the very first one and then working through them one by one. What they think often is the hard thing might be, for example, contingency is my contingency pillar. And that's where, you know, I'm really talking about things like, you know, our, um, our websites or our tech or, you know, registering for an ABN or things like that. But in reality, the problems are usually arising in those first four pillars of the clarity pillars, which I'm going to go through in a moment. But the first four pillars, which is connect to vision, calendar, getting our time sorted, calculations, being across our numbers and our clients. And that's where we get really familiar on who we're serving and how we're serving those people. 
So, you know, but so often I find that, you know, the attention falls on things like content, okay, or the offers or the contribution um, in terms of their offers, um, their contingency, which is, of course, their, you know, the website, the tech, the legals, that kind of stuff. They get caught up down there. But in reality, it's usually those first four pillars that they need to come back to. So that is why I designed these eight clarity pillars. And like I say, they are hierarchical. However, they do stand alone in their own right. And I'm going to go through some of those for you now. Now, these eight pillars are all part of my ultimate startup checklist for coaches, healers and soulful consultants that I'm going to tell you about a little bit more at the end of this episode. I'm also going to tell you where you can get it, okay, because you want to be able to have this and use this and this document might be able to support you for two months if you've got a lot of team and you've got a lot of money and you've got a lot of know-how. You'll be flying through that in no time. Or if you're not so much a unicorn like me, it might take you a little bit longer to work through, but you will have that document there and lots and lots of internal links inside of it to lots of tips and tools that I've created and all of the things that I recommend. You can be using that to help guide you along your way for the next few years if you need to. So let's go through the eight clarity pillars and Essentially, what they are is the steps to help you get clear, get organized, get enlightened and get moving on your dream business. So the first one is connect to vision. And when we connect to vision, I do have a podcast episode on this, the importance of a clear vision. Go and have a listen to it if you haven't already. Um, But the importance of really getting clear in our vision and knowing what we want to bring forth why we want to bring forth and just getting really clear on how it connects to our bigger life vision as well. Because when we're in business for ourselves as soul-led business women, we are creating businesses because we want a particular lifestyle and we want to show up and not only serve the people who we're here to serve, but we also want to serve our family and also honor our own time and our own energy. So connecting to vision, getting really clear on your vision um, is going to help you. So that's step one. Step two is calendar. Now, again, like I say, creating a soul-led business is about creating a lifestyle that you want. So there's no point going into this every time you want to work on your business without being clear on how often you want to work, when you want to work and what that looks like. So getting clear on your calendar and organizing your life around your business and your business around your life is going to have you kicking goals sooner rather than later. But it's also going to, I like to think of it as my personal butler. So as a solopreneur, it can be really hectic because I don't have team all the time reminding me of things. Okay. So when you have this organized, your digital calendar becomes like your own little personal private butler and they will, you know, send little reminders like, Hey Sharon, it's time to take a break now. Oh, thank you. Thank you for looking after me is usually my little, you know, my little thank you of gratitude that I express to my digital calendar when it guides me. I don't fight against it. I don't think time, Um, but I say, thank you. Thank you for that reminder. Yes, I'm so glad that you've got my back. So setting up a digital calendar correctly can help you to block out your time, 
It can help you to manage your time effectively and it can be like your own little personal butler reminding you of things that you need to do and when. So calendar is the second thing that I uh, recommend doing when you're looking after, um, you know, the startup phase of your business. The third pillar is your calculations, getting across your startup costs so that you can cover them as quickly as possible and start to turn a profit. So that's the first thing. If you're really early in your business and you're not yet you're not yet making money, there's certain ways that I teach clients to not go backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards. It's actually to try and quickly recoup their investment for things and then reinvest money that comes into their business back into their business so that then they can get that momentum and that growth that they're getting paying clients, but it's covering their cost. And rather than going backwards, it's at least helping them stay afloat or even better still, still turning a profit and paying themselves even even if it's only a little bit. So I definitely recommend that. Now, if you do get my um, ultimate startup checklist for coaches, healers and soulful consultants, you will in the calculations pillar, get access to my spreadsheet to help you track your numbers that I created. It includes an income mapping spreadsheet that's absolutely gold. If you're in online business, you definitely want to get your hands on that spreadsheet. So make sure you Stay listening to the end to be able to get the instructions on where to get it. Okay, the fourth pillar is clients. And like I said earlier, this is where you get really clear on your message. You get clear on who you're here to serve. Now, niching is not essential, okay? It is not essential, but by golly, it's going to make your business much easier when it comes to knowing who you're talking to particularly if your message isn't connecting with people. If your message isn't connecting, it's probably because you're talking to a whole range of different people instead of just talking to some people. (laughs) So, you know, getting really clear on that can help you. And like I say, it's not for everyone. Certainly when I first started, if I'd have gone with the niche that I was being guided towards, then I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you. That's for certain. So I'm really glad that I did throw some spaghetti at the wall there and I waited to see what stuck in order to then move forward. So I can help guide you with that. Um, And I've got some tips on that. Um, Again, there's a link inside the Ultimate Startup Checklist that can help you um, with my notes to niching, but also help you define your unique selling proposition. What sets you apart from the rest of people who do things like you do, right? Because none of us are completely um, different to the next person. There are a squillion business coaches out there, but there are still people who will become my clients or someone else's clients for certain reason. And, and it usually comes down to what it is that's unique about us and the way that we do things and the way we communicate and our programs and offers compared to other people in the market. So um, talking with your clients, getting really clear about, um, you know, who you're here for, why you're here for and and how you're going to communicate with those people. The fifth pillar is our contribution pillar. Now, this is where we get clear on the services that we want to offer to start with. So um, crafting your signature offer and pricing it accordingly is very important particularly right at the beginning. That's something that I recommend that you do, you know, 
shortly after that you register for your ABN um, so that you can get your offers out there. Okay. And you want to go for that signature offer. So you want to go for, you know, a bundle or something that is always there because if you've got some low cost offers, great. People can opt in for those. But what if people are willing to, you know, to get more straight off the bat? Um, contribution also includes, of course, um, you know, guidance on how to create a high value opt-in offer. And that is a way of growing your email list where you can actually nurture your ideal clients. Okay. You can connect with them without having to wrangle the algorithm. So I highly recommend this. Um, email is a very personal way of connecting with people. Um, it's personal because you can go directly to them. So I always consider the people on my email list as my VIPs far more than the people on my, uh, you know, who follow me on social media. And the reason is, is they've actually said yes to me. They've said yes to me in saying, yes, I actually want to hear from you. Here's my email address. I like, you know, I like what you're putting down here. And, um, you know, there's already been that exchange happen. So, um, make, email a an important part of your contribution to your clients and um, again that's that's what we cover in the contribution pillar it's step by step the sixth pillar is the content pillar now this of course is really creating a brand that you feel deeply aligned with it's crafting your business backstory it's you know really getting the colors fonts and the feels that feel right for you in bringing forward that brand essence and also helping you to stand out online um, maybe it's things like setting yourself up on social media platforms and getting that established um, and then more importantly, it's determining how you're going to connect with your audience and create content for them. So, you know, which channels you're going to specialize in, what your core content is going to be, those pieces of long form content that float around the internet far longer than the churn and burn of Instagram or Facebook. Okay. Um, and I don't know whether anyone's been paying attention, but, um, Shout out to Meta, who all of a sudden has decided to start showing Facebook pages again. Um, all of a sudden, there's been a spike, even growth in my Facebook page in the last couple of weeks. Really interesting. Um, really interesting. But, you know, this is the thing about creating an email list, right? And, and providing content or a podcast. Because when we do that, we can go directly to our clients. We don't have to fumble around with algorithms, okay? We're not at the hands of Meta, um, you know, because while my Facebook page all of a sudden is getting seen, my Instagram has tanked in the last two weeks. So go figure. Same content, okay, different platforms, similar audience. It's often I'm getting the same engagement from the same people on both platforms, but all of a sudden they're seeing it on Facebook and not on Instagram. I don't have to worry about that because I know that my business is safe. I'm growing an email list. I've got a podcast. I've got a blog. I've got regular um, audience who keep coming back to those other channels. So, you know, knowing that about your content and having a clear content strategy is a really, really important thing to establish early in your business. Okay. Um, so there's a couple of pages there on content in the ultimate startup checklist, because there's quite a bit to cover in that particular pillar. 
The seventh pillar is contingency. Now, the contingency pillar, yes, if you are brand new, then this is going to cover a little bit about, you know, what to do to actually start a business. Um, But if I'm being completely honest, I tend to work with people after they've got their ABN, they've registered their business name, they've clearly got an idea about what they want to bring forward. That's when people start to work with me. However, if you're not there yet, then this checklist is going to be gold for you because it gives you some hot tips that are often not spoken about, um, such as when you register your business name, before you do that, make sure that you can not only get your business name at the same time, but you also want to check that you can get your social media handles and the domain name. So you can try and get them all the same. So for example, Sharon Joy Coaching, I have that handle on everything and it's my domain and it's my registered business name. So getting all of those things at the same time is going to help you. And I'll give you the hot tip. If you register a business, um, there are sharks out there who watch the Australian Business Register. And when people register new business names, then other people out there, these sharks will actually go and buy the domains of those business names that people have registered. And when they buy them, that means it's a way of making revenue. So when you decide that you want to grow a business with that business name, you go to register that domain, someone already owns it, and you might be up for a couple of thousand dollars to buy it off them or more. Sometimes it could be lots of money to buy those domains, particularly if you found yourself a really kick-ass name. So make sure that you can get your domain, your handles on your socials and register your business name all at the same time. That's my little hot tip if you are brand new. Of course, it's got all those things like registering um, your business name, your ABN, um, you know, the domain, setting up a business email address, getting your legal sorted, getting insurance. They're all really critical things. But then it's also got some stuff that is, you know, probably the month after that. So that first month, Perhaps if you're brand new, you might be looking at those sorts of things. After that, then you've got some other things such as payment gateways, such as organizing your tax. Um, You know, what subscriptions do you need? Do you need Zoom? Do you need, you know, a booking system? Do you need a website? What ways can you get around having a website if you don't have the budget for that? There's some tips in um, the checklist for that. Making sure that you're kitted out with the right techie tools to be able to have a startup online business as well or a healing business Um, if if you are, you know, offering a service-based in-person service. So there's two pages in that checklist on contingency. It's a big one, um, but it will help everybody right through from pre-registering a business right through to that growth phase and dare I say even a bit beyond. And then the last pillar is commit. And, you know, when we when we think about commit, this is often one that gets forgotten about. But without it, what we tend to do is burn ourselves out and then tank. And, and so, you know, that's what you don't want to be doing. You want to find 
energetic practices to help keep your energy field clean and clear. And I mean, this is why I've added Rebecca Ross from Rebecca Ross Sacred Beers into my solid program once a month to give us that energetic, intuitive, energetic coaching, because it's so important in keeping your energy field clear and clean um, so that you have ways of freeing the funk. And often I say that that funkiness is often as a result of a lack of clarity. So, you know, this is again where getting coaching, getting help can help you get clear on what it is, your direction. It's so important. Um, continue to grow through, you know, your personal and professional development programs and coaching. So committing to your business means, you know, having a commitment to continue to invest in it, not at a level that's going to drive you into serious debt. I don't advise that. I recommend that you start up a business at a level that you can afford um, for your bigger lifestyle and your bigger budget. There is no need to go above your head because you can do things more gently by, like I said early, putting offers out there, getting some money back into your business bank account and then reinvesting that into your business. So I don't recommend, you know, resigning from your job too quick or, you know, jumping ship on all of the things or going into debt like I hear some people do. Um, you know, highly go into debt. I mean, startup business, I have a different, another startup business that I'm in, an investor in. And yes, there is a need for debt there. Um, it's a much larger organization. It's a physical business. Um, you know, there's capital. It's quite different. But, you know, in online business, we can do this very, very easily. Um, I also recommend, you know, if you're going to commit to your business, yes, investing and continuing to grow in your personal and professional development and coaching, but also making sure at every at all times that you are connected to a community of aligned business women. And you know what? I'm just going to say, I actually don't mean free Facebook groups. I'm sorry if that's where your preference has been. But if it has been, I'm just going to say you are denying yourself of the caliber of woman that you can be around and that you can, you know, feed off and be a part of a more supportive, collaborative container. I highly recommend that you look at your options and find a community that you can join, a paid membership. Um, yes, of course, I'm going to recommend my solid membership, um, but I myself am always in paid membership. So at the moment, I'm in three. Okay. At the end of this month, I will drop down to two because one of them um, is ending. I've been in there for a year now and I'm ready to move on. But right now I'm in three paid memberships. Okay. And I highly, highly recommend it not just for the growth that you will find, but for the networks that you will grow, um, collaborations that can come out of that, um, you know, that level of learning, that feedback that you will get with those coaches' eyes on your business is so much better than asking for help in free Facebook groups. So much better. So really commit to your business and, and join a community of aligned business women. And, you know, have a plan to recognize when you feel like you're not achieving your dreams fast enough. So, you know, it's really important when you're thinking about your commitment to your business, that eighth pillar, 
knowing what your triggers are, those telltale signs that the wheels are falling off. And I want you to have a plan for that because it's going to happen. This is a ride. I've been posting a lot about this lately on my socials. Entrepreneurship is a ride, okay? We are not okay, but also we are totally okay (laughs) at the same time, okay? We can be both things. It is very normal to feel like that. And so, you know, just normalizing that, but also having that safety net of being able to recognize when the wheels are falling off and having a plan of what to do to, you know, to catch your falling is going to help you moving forward. So, um, so those are the eight pillars. I want to say by committing to your business, show up for your vision. Like the work is honestly worth it. It's worth every little bit of struggle. Uh, It really is. And just know that it's totally okay to follow somebody step by step until you find your feet. Please know that it's okay to, you know, grab the keys to the car, even though you've sat in many cars before and watched many cars being driven before and think, shit, I don't know what to do with this. I actually don't know what to do with this. There's so much going on. What with the windscreen wipers and the headlights and the brake and the accelerator and the the clutch and the gears and the indicators and the radio. There's so much going on. And that's before I even think about what's happening externally of the vehicle. Know that with a framework support, step by step, that you've absolutely got this. You've absolutely got this. I promise you that. Follow the steps. Get the support. Get yourself to a level of autonomy and automacity and implementation and momentum. And then you will have that space and freedom and confidence to be able to really experiment and dive in and be, you know, more mad scientist with this. Pull it apart. Look at it from different angles. Be curious. But when you're starting and it feels scary, use the tools that are available. Get the support. Get the step-by-step support. There is help out there. If you feel called and this resonates, I would love to help you. My Solid membership is definitely the place for you. And this month in June, I have a very exciting special coming up as well as a challenge that I'd love to invite you for. If you want to get the scoop on that, then make sure that you get my ultimate startup checklist for coaches, healers, and soulful consultants. It's a 14-page guide that includes all the steps to get you to the growth phase of your business, whether it takes you one month, two months, two years, five years, it doesn't matter. It's got all of the pieces so that you can confidently know what's next on my list. What do I need to do? It's also got 30 external links to tips and free tools that I've created or products that I recommend to help you on your way. So it's going to give you lots of leads and ways that you can get started. I'd love you to jump on over to SharonJoyCoaching.com forward slash startup to get a hold of that ultimate startup checklist. That's SharonJoyCoaching.com forward slash startup. It's got everything in there. 
It's going to be uh, the way that you find out first how you can get into my challenge. Okay. And if you're listening to this well after June, 2022, get in touch with me. Okay. Drop me a DM and say, Hey, that challenge, when are you running another one? Okay. This checklist will still be there for you though. So you haven't missed out. Go and get it. SharonJoyCoaching.com forward slash startup. 14 page guide, including all the steps to get you to the growth stage of your business, including those 30 links. And more importantly, getting you on my email list so that you can be notified when the challenge is announced and when the very exciting limited offer for my Solid membership, Solid Business for Solid Women, that is my membership, um, goes live later this month. So uh, I would love to see you there. And I'd love to know what you think of the checklist. Let me know. Get in touch. Uh, hello at SharonJoyCoaching.com or of course on Instagram at SharonJoyCoaching. Would love to hear your thoughts. And remember, step-by-step step is totally fine when we're learning to walk. Thanks for listening to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Joy. Jump on over to find me on the web at SharonJoyCoaching.com. Just one final word from me. Last week, this little podcast ticked over 1,000 downloads. So I wanted to just pop back in here and say thank you. Thank you for being a regular listener on the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. I'm so glad that you're enjoying this podcast. And if you have been finding value, I'd be so grateful if you'd pop on over and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening. I love bringing this content to you each week and I hope you stick around. Bye for now.